I'd love for the children who are here to come forward and join me if you'd like. And if you're watching from home, just move a little closer to your screens and let's have a moment together. Come on up. Wow, what a good group we have. As you're coming up, let's form a circle. Okay, can we make a circle all around the communion table? In a big circle? Can we come around this way? I know I made y'all move last week too. Can we make a big circle? Pastor Maggie's really good at this. Okay, we make a circle. Let's pretend that we are, it doesn't have to be a perfect circle, just a sort of a circle. Okay, that's good. This gives us the idea. Okay, now we can drop our hands and close around. Let's imagine that this is our church family. We're all in this circle and we all know each other and we all love each other and we take really good care of each other. And isn't it wonderful to have a place where we belong, where people know us and love us? We just want to just close in our circle and keep it just like it is. But look at there. We have some new people coming up to the circle. Come on up to the circle. And look, there's Pastor Brandon and, and he's new. And he's kind of standing outside the circle. What do we do? What should we do? Should we include Pastor Brandon? I think so. Let's make the circle a little bit wider. Make space for Pastor Brandon. There we go. That's sort of what we do in church. We have a family of church, our church family. We know each other and we love each other and we do our best to care for each other. But we always want to be making room for new people because there are always people who need a place to belong. So I'm grateful that when I was new here, everybody welcomed me and made me feel special. And I hope that if you're new here, everybody welcomes you and makes you feel special because you have a place to belong here. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you so much for our church family, for people who know our names, people who can love us and care for us and help us learn about you. We also want to have our eyes wide open for new people, for strangers who may not have been here before. Help us to be welcoming and loving and make sure that everyone has a place to belong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being willing to make a circle today. And I promise next week we'll go back to normal and we'll all sit over there together. If you are three, four, or five, you can go with Pastor Maggie and Pastor Francis to Children's Church. And if you're older than five, you can go back to sit with parents or friends. Raise your hand if you have ever heard a pastor say this. I'm sorry that my sermon was so short. No hands? No hands? No? I don't know that I've ever said that. I haven't ever apologized for a sermon that was too short. And I don't know that I've ever heard anyone complain that my sermon was too short. But believe it or not, at the end of the book of Hebrews which we have been talking about over the past three weeks as a sort of sermon, a word of exhortation, the writer apologizes that it's so brief. I wonder why that is. Maybe they were used to hearing and reading much longer sermons, or maybe he knew that they needed a lot of encouragement. 
If you've been with us over the past three weeks, if you've been worshiping online or worshiping here in the sanctuary, you know that we've been spending time in Hebrews 11, 12, and 13 for these three weeks. We've been listening in on this sermon that a pastor offered to a congregation that he knew and loved because he heard that they were tired, their spirits were drooping, they were growing weary in being faithful and following Jesus. Some of them had been dragged away to prison, some were being persecuted, some were just having a hard time following Jesus in a world that didn't welcome the ways of Jesus. And so over the past couple of weeks, we've explored this sermon and how he has offered encouragement to to them. The first week, we looked at how he held up the examples of their spiritual ancestors, Abraham and Sarah, Noah and Barak and Rahab and Samson and all of these who had kept the faith, who had done their part and run the race, even though they hadn't seen the full promises of God fulfilled. And he encourages them by holding up that example. And then last week, we came to the end of that great roll call of the saints to the culmination, really the high point of the whole sermon at the beginning of chapter 12, when he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us keep the faith, let us run the race looking to Jesus. And so we spent some time last week exploring what that means to look to Jesus to help us keep the faith. And finally, this morning, we hear as the preacher brings his brief sermon to a close, how do they keep the faith? And he reminds them that you keep the faith by living the faith. You keep the faith by doing the faith, by doing the things we know God wants us to do. And so he gives them these instructions. They're like bullet points. They sort of remind us perhaps of the Ten Commandments or the the book of Deuteronomy or Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Just instruction after instruction, inviting them to faithfulness. And so I want to spend a little bit of time looking at these various instructions that he gives and to listen for how these instructions given 2,000 years ago can speak into our lives and into our time especially if we are feeling weary and having a hard time keeping the faith. The first thing he says to them is, let mutual love continue. And I hear that and I think about the congregation, the family of Christ, the church, the people who are gathered together hearing this sermon of the preacher 2,000 years ago. Love one another take care of each other. And we read in the New Testament all of these examples of how that early church loved one another, how they cared for the widows and the orphans in their midst, how there wasn't one among them that was in need, how the early first century folks would look in on the people of the church and say, see how they love one another. Keep the faith by loving one another. And I see that in our midst. I see that among us here at West End, how you love and care for one another. So this is a big church and there's no way you can know everyone. But I want to tell you that I see you caring for each other and welcoming people and making and building relationships with each other. 
This past month, I've been teaching a Sunday school class, the Bible and Spirit class. And at the beginning of each class, they check in with each other and they talk about who among their members is in need, who's had surgery, who's uh, in rehab, who needs some help. And they'll talk about so-and-so brought a meal and I gave them a call and I just observe and witness how they love and care for each other. And I see you doing that all over this congregation. I was so inspired on Wednesday night as I saw people sitting around the tables who didn't know each other and making conversation and caring for each other and going to get a refill of water and just giving each other a sense of community and love. And that's at the heart of who we're called to be as the people of God, those who know each other and love each other and take care of each other. And we can always do better We always want to continue working on that to make sure that we're taking good care of each other. I'm really grateful for those of you who will email us or call us pastors to say, by the way, did you know that so-and-so is having surgery? Because we don't always know. We want to know. So let us know. Call Erin Racine. She's the one who helps coordinate all that. So we can pray with you and be alongside you in those times and help others to care for you too. So let mutual love continue, and that will help you keep the faith. That will keep you strong. The next thing he says, which I sort of tried to illustrate with the children, (laughs) is don't forget to show hospitality to the stranger. Be sure you continue not only to look inward and to care for one another, but to look outward and pay attention to the stranger, to the new Remember what it was like, many of you, the first time you walked into this place and didn't know anyone? Remember that. And so when you see someone you don't know, reach out the hand of fellowship. And I know I've heard many of you say, what if I reach out and they say, well, I've been a member 20 years. Well, that's okay. They're new to you. And so it's an opportunity to make a new friend, to be the one to initiate the love and the welcome. And of course, I think this writer is talking, this preacher is talking more about more than just welcoming people into the community. But as we go out in the world to make sure that we are offering hospitality to those in need, hospitality to the stranger, being open with love and grace and not afraid to reach out the hand of fellowship. The preacher moves on. And this next thing he says is so interesting. Remember those in prison and those who are being tortured. Now it may be that the preacher is talking primarily about fellow Christians who are being persecuted and imprisoned for their faith. Don't forget the suffering of your other church family members. Take it on as if it's your own suffering. But I think he perhaps means more than that. Because there are other places that Jesus himself says, I was in prison and you visited me. Whether someone is connected to this congregation or not, we are called to be visiting the prisons, to be out and about in the world wherever there is suffering, wherever there is oppression, wherever there is need. Don't forget the suffering of the world. Let us not get so insulated and so numb to the hurts of the world that we ignore them. 
Again, this is something I believe we work on and we do well as a congregation to keep before us the needs of the world. We cannot do it all. We cannot heal all the wounds. We cannot solve all the social injustices in the world, but we can continue to listen and act and do what we can together and individually. So the preacher reminds them, keep the faith, keep looking outward with generosity and compassion to those who are suffering and hurting in the community. Now, it'd been nice if he would have stopped there because now he gets to meddling. He goes inside our homes with the next thing he says. And he says, honor the marriage vow. Be faithful in your covenant to your spouse, to your family. Don't you think that's kind of getting to meddling? But he's saying, your faith should shape every aspect of your life. There is no part of your life that is hidden from God. No part of your life that you can categorize as not part of your faith journey. And these relationships that are closest to you in your life, whether it's your partner, your children, your roommate, your closest friends, whoever it may be, you ought to live out the love of God, most especially with them. This is perhaps one of the more challenging teachings. I have had the privilege over my years of ministry to gather with family members in preparation for a funeral or a memorial service and hear the stories of their loved ones. One of the things I do if I'm giving the homily at a funeral or memorial service is I I collect all of the stories and the recollections of the family and friends in combination with what I know about the person in order to celebrate their life and lift it up to God. And I can't tell you how inspiring it is to me when I hear the person's children, when I hear their spouse talk about their love and their faithfulness, that they were just as kind and generous at home as they were out in public. And there have been some times when I've met with families who have said our loved one was a really good person out in public, but not so much at home. And so here is this ancient preacher reminding us that it's not just our public lives that matter before God. It is our private, personal lives and what happens in the most intimate relationships we have where we live out our faith and perhaps where we are stretched the most to love us, love others as God loves us. So he moves on and he keeps meddling because now he starts talking about money. We don't like to talk about money, but Jesus talks about it a lot. And so does Paul. And so does this preacher in the book of Hebrews. He says, be careful not to fall in love with money, but be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. Isn't that countercultural? I mean, if we as the people of God can be content with what we have, How radical is that? In a society, in a world that is so driven by teaching us that we don't quite have everything we need, that we'd be happy if we just had a little more. Ask your doctor about the purple pill. I don't know what the purple pill is, but now I think I need it. I don't know how many of you are doctors or you're so tired of hearing about the purple pill. 
But that's what happens in our advertising and marketing, creating a need that we didn't know we had, giving us this constant restlessness that we need a little more. And yet the preacher says, be content with what you have. That word content in the Greek is literally anti-love of money, anti-greed. Be actively working against greed in our own spirits and in our world. This teaching alone takes a lot of prayer and a lot of practice, and it is a lifetime journey, at least for me, to learn and practice contentment. And that's the truth with all of these teachings that he offers us. It's all a practice. It's all a journey. It's all a process of growing deeper in love with God and growing more and more into Christ-likeness. We can tell that by the verbs he uses. It's continue to love one another. Remember not to forget those in prison Continue honoring the marriage vow. Continue this. Continue the growth. And he reminds them in some verses after this that we didn't hear this morning that this life with God is not about checking off boxes and obeying rules that have been laid out before us, but about having a heart steeped in grace that continues to work within us. A couple of verses later, he offers the benediction to them and he says, may the peace of Christ be with you and may God continue to work in you to make you complete. Another word for that is that you might be whole, that you might be, have integrity, that you might be the same person at home and out in the world, that you might become perfect, perfected in love. I'm grateful to be on this journey and I'm grateful to have you as companions on the journey, my family in Christ. Thanks be to God.